This is day 31 of our daily Bible reading. We will be finishing the book of Numbers today, and we will do the first two chapters of Deuteronomy. Lord God, thank you for bringing us here this morning to worship you and to spend time with you in your word, and that we just could praise your name, just how glorious it is and how patient you are with your people, how merciful and gracious Lord, that we may truly appreciate you for who you are and, and just help us to understand the sacrifices that you have made for us. And Lord, that we can just taste of that goodness and carry it with us all day. And in turn, Lord, that we would share this goodness with the world that needs to hear it so badly. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the sons of Israel, and say to them, When you enter the land of Canaan, this is the land that shall fall to you as an inheritance, even the land of Canaan according to its borders. Your southern sector shall extend from the wilderness of Zin along the side of Edom, and your southern border shall extend from the side of the Salt Sea eastward. Then your border shall turn direction from the south to the ascent of Akrabim, and continue to Zin, and its termination shall be to the south of Kadesh Barnea, and it shall reach Hazaradar, and continue to Asmon. The border shall turn direction from Asmon to the brook of Egypt, and its termination shall be at the sea. As for the western border, you shall have the great sea, that is, its coastline. This shall be your west border. And this shall be your north border. You shall draw your border line from the great sea to Mount Hor. You shall draw a line from Mount Hor to the Lebo Hamath. And the termination of the border shall be at Zadad. And the border shall proceed to Ziphron, and its termination shall be at Hazar Enan. This shall be your north border. For your eastern border, you shall also draw a line from Hazar Anan to Shafam, and the border shall go down from Shafam to Ribla on the east side of Ayan, and the border shall go down and reach to the slope on the east side of the Sea of Chinnereth, and the border shall go down to the Jordan, and its termination shall be at the Salt Sea. This shall be your land, according to its borders, all around. So Moses commanded the sons of Israel, saying, This is the land that you are to appropriate by lot among you as a possession, which the Lord has commanded to give to the nine and a half tribes. For the tribe of the sons of Reuben have received theirs according to their father's households and the tribe of the sons of Gad according to their father's households, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have received their possession. The two and a half tribes have received their possession across the Jordan opposite Jericho, eastward toward the sun rising. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, These are the names of the men who shall apportion the land to you for inheritance. Eleazar the priest, and Joshua the son of Nun. You shall take one leader of every tribe to apportion the land for inheritance. These are the names of the men of the tribe of Judah, Caleb the son of Jephunneh, of the tribe of the sons of Simeon, Samuel the son of Amihud, of the tribe of Benjamin, Eladad the son of Chislam, of the tribes of the sons of Dan, a leader, Buki, the son of Jogli. Of the sons of Joseph, of the tribe of the sons of Manasseh, a leader, Haniel, the son of Ephod. Of the tribe of the sons of Ephraim, a leader, Kemuel, the son of Shiftan. Of the tribe of the sons of Zebulun, a leader, Elisaphan, the son of Parnach. Of the tribe of the sons of Issachar, a leader, Paltiel, the son of Azan. Of the tribes of the sons of Asher, 
the leader, Ahihud, the son of Shalomi, of the tribe of the sons of Naphtali, a leader, Pedael, the son of Amihud. These are those whom the Lord commanded to apportion the inheritance to the sons of Israel in the land of Canaan. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan opposite Jericho, saying, Command the sons of Israel that they give to the Levites from the inheritance of their possession cities to live in. And you shall give to the Levites pasture lands around those cities. The cities shall be theirs to live in, and their pasture lands shall be for their cattle, and for their herds, and for all their beasts. The pasture lands of the cities which you shall give to the Levites shall extend from the wall of the city outward a thousand cubits around. You shall also measure outside the city on the east side two thousand cubits, and on the south side two thousand cubits, and on the north side two thousand cubits, with the city in the center. This shall become theirs as pasture lands for the cities. The cities which you shall give to the Levites shall be the six cities of refuge, which you shall give for the manslayer to flee to. And in addition to them, you shall give forty-two cities. All the cities which you shall give the Levites shall be forty-eight cities, together with their pasture lands. As for the cities which you shall give from the possession of the sons of Israel, you shall take more from the larger, and you shall take less from the smaller. Each shall give some of his cities to the Levites in proportion to his possession which he inherits. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall select for yourselves cities to be your cities of refuge that the manslayer who has killed any person unintentionally may flee there. The city shall be to you as a refuge from the avenger, so that the manslayer will not die until he stands before the congregation for trial. The cities which you are to give shall be your six cities of refuge. You shall give three cities across the Jordan and three cities in the land of Canaan. They are to be cities of refuge. These six cities shall be for refuge for the sons of Israel, and for the alien, and for the sojourner among them, that anyone who kills a person unintentionally may flee there. But if he struck him down with an iron object so that he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. If he struck him down with a stone in the hand, by which he will die, and as a result he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. Or if he struck him with a wooden object in the hand, by which he might die, and as a result he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. The blood avenger himself shall put the murderer to death. He shall put him to death when he meets him. If he pushed him of hatred or threw something at him lying in wait, and as a result he died, or if he struck him down with his hand in enmity, and as a result he died, the one who struck him shall surely be put to death. He is a murderer. The blood avenger shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. But if he pushes him suddenly without enmity, or threw something at him without lying in wait, or with any deadly object of stone, and without seeing it dropped on him so that he died, while he was not his enemy, nor seeking his injury, then the congregation shall judge between the slayer and the blood avenger according to their ordinances. The congregation shall deliver the manslayer from the hand of the blood avenger, 
and the congregation shall restore him to his city of refuge to which he fled. And he shall live in it until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. But if the manslayer at any time goes beyond the border of his city of refuge to which he may flee, and the blood avenger finds him outside the border of his city of refuge, and the blood avenger kills the manslayer, he will not be guilty of blood, because he should have remained in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the manslayer shall return to the land of his possession. These things shall be for a statutory ordinance to you throughout your generations in all your dwellings. If anyone kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death at the evidence of witnesses. But no person shall be put to death on the testimony of one witness. Moreover, you shall not take ransom for the life of a murderer who is guilty of death, for he shall surely be put to death. You shall not take ransom for him who has fled to his city of refuge, that he may return to live in the land before the death of the priest. So you shall not pollute the land in which you are, for blood pollutes the land, and no expiation can be made for the land, for the blood is, that is shed on it, except by the blood of him who shed it. You shall not defile the land in which you live, in the midst of which I dwell. For I, the Lord, am dwelling in the midst of the sons of Israel. And the heads of the father's households, of the family of the sons of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, of the families of the sons of Joseph, came near and spoke before Moses and before the leaders, the heads of the father's households of the sons of Israel. And they said, The Lord commanded my Lord to give the land by lot to the sons of Israel as an inheritance. And my Lord was commanded by the Lord to give the inheritance of Zelophehad, our brother, to his daughters. But if they marry one of the sons of the other tribes of the sons of Israel, their inheritance will be withdrawn from the inheritance of our fathers, and will be added to the inheritance of the tribe to which they belong. Thus it will be withdrawn from our allotted inheritance. When the jubilee of the sons of Israel comes, then their inheritance will be added to the inheritance of the tribe to which they belong. So their inheritance will be withdrawn from the inheritance of the tribe of their fathers. Then Moses commanded the sons of Israel according to the word of the Lord, saying, The tribe of the sons of Joseph are right in their statements. This is what the Lord has commanded concerning the daughters of Zelophehad, saying, Let them marry whom they wish, only they must marry within the family of the tribe of their father. Thus no inheritance of the sons of Israel shall be transferred from tribe to tribe, for the sons of Israel shall each hold to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. Every daughter who comes into possession of an inheritance of any tribe of the sons of Israel, shall be wife to one of the family of the tribe of her father, so that the sons of Israel each may possess the inheritance of his fathers. Thus no inheritance shall be transferred from one tribe to another tribe, for the tribes of the sons of Israel shall each hold to his own inheritance. Just as the Lord had commanded Moses, so the daughters of Zelophehad did. Mala, Tirzah, Hogla, Milcah, and Noah, the daughters of Zelophehad, married their uncle's sons. They married those from the families of the sons of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and their inheritance remained with the tribe of the family of their father. 
These are the commandments and the ordinances which the Lord commanded to the sons of Israel through Moses in the plains of Moab, by the Jordan, opposite Jericho. These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel across the Jordan in the wilderness in the Arabah, opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel and Laban and Hazeroth and Dishahab. It is eleven days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. In the fortieth year, on the first day of the eleventh month, Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had commanded him to give to them. After he had def defeated Sion, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth and Edrei. Across the Jordan in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to expound this law, saying, The Lord our God spoke to us at Horeb, saying, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and set your journey, and go to the hill country of the Amorites, and to all their neighbors in the Arabah, in the hill country, and in the lowlands, and in the Negev, and by the sea coast, the land of the Canaanites, and Lebanon, so far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have placed the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to them and their descendants after them. I spoke to you at that time, saying, I am not able to bear the burden of you alone. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and behold, you are this day like the stars of heaven in number. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, increase you a thousandfold more than you are, and bless you, just as he has promised you. How can I alone bear the load and burden of you and your strife? Choose wise and discerning and experienced men from your tribes, and I will appoint them as your heads. You answered me it and said, The thing which you have said to do is good. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and experienced men, and appointed them heads over you, leaders of thousands and of hundreds, of fifties and of tens, and officers for your tribes. Then I charged your judges at that time, saying, Hear the cases between your fellow countrymen, and judge righteously between a man and his fellow countrymen, or the alien who is with him. You shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not fear man, for the judgment is God's. The case that is too hard for you, you shall bring to me, and I will hear it. I commanded you at that time all the things that you should do. Then we set out from Horeb and went through all that great and terrible wilderness which you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, just as the Lord our God had commanded us, and we came to Kadesh Barnea. I said to you, You have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is about to give us. See, the Lord your God has placed the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has spoken to you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Then all of you approached me and said, Let us send men before us, that they may search out the land for us, and bring back to us word of the way by which we should go up and the cities we, sh we shall enter. The thing pleased me. And I took twelve of your men, one man from each tribe. They turned and went up into the hill country, and came to the valley of Eshcol, and spied it out. Then they took some of the fruit of the land in their hands, and brought it down to us. 
and they brought us back a report and said, It is a good land which the Lord our God is about to give us. Yet you were not willing to go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you grumbled in your tents and said, Because the Lord hates us, he has brought us up out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites, to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have made our hearts melt, saying, The people are bigger and taller than we. The cities are large and fortified to heaven. And besides, we saw the sons of the Anakim there. Then I said to you, Do not be shocked, nor fear them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight on your behalf, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes, and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you, just as a man carries his son, in all the way which you have walked until you came to this place. But for all this, you did not trust the Lord your God, who goes before you on your way to seek out a place for you to encamp in fire by night and cloud by day to show you the way in which you should go. Then the Lord heard the sound of your words, and he was angry and took an oath, saying, Not one of these men, this evil generation, shall see the good land which I swore to give your fathers, except Caleb the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it, and to him and to his sons I will give the land on which he has set foot, because he has followed the Lord fully. The Lord was angry with me also on your account, saying, Not even you shall enter there. Joshua the son of Nun who stands before you, he shall enter there. Encourage him, for he will cause Israel to inherit it. Moreover, your little ones, who you said would become a prey, and your sons, who this day have no knowledge of good or evil, shall enter there, and I will give it to them, and they shall possess it. But as for you, turn around, and set out for the wilderness, by the way to the Red Sea. Then you said to me, We have sinned against the Lord. We will indeed go up and fight, just as the Lord our God commanded us. And every man of you girded on his weapons of war and regarded it as easy to go up into the hill country. And the Lord said to me, Say to them, Do not go up nor fight. For I am not among you. Otherwise, you will be defeated before your enemies. So I spoke to you, but you would not listen. Instead, you rebelled against the command of the Lord and acted presumptuously and went up into the hill country. The Amorites who lived in that hill country came out against you and chased you as bees do and crushed you from Seir to Hormah. Then you returned and wept before the Lord, but the Lord did not listen to your voice nor give ear to you. So you remained at Kadesh many days, the days that you spent there. Then we turned and set out for the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me, and circled Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me, saying, you have circled this mountain long enough. Now turn north and command the people, saying, You will pass through the territory of your brothers, the sons of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. So be very careful. Do not provoke them. For I will not give you any of their land, even as little as a footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. You shall buy food from them with money so that you may eat, and you shall also purchase water from them 
with money so that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all that you have done. He has known your wanderings through this great wilderness. These forty years the Lord your God has been with you. You have not lacked a thing. So we passed beyond our brothers, the sons of Esau, who live in Seir, away from the Arabah road, away from Elath, and from Ezion-Geber. And we turned and passed through by the wilderness of Moab. Then the Lord said to me, Do not harass Moab, nor provoke them to war, for I will not give you any of their land as a possession, because I have given Ar to the sons of Lot as a possession. The Urnim lived there formerly, a people as great, numerous, and tall as the Anakim. Like the Anakim, they are also regarded as Rephaim, but the Moabites call them Emim. The Horites formerly lived in Seir, but the sons of Esau dispossessed them and destroyed them from before them and settled in their place just as Israel did to the land of their possession, which the Lord gave to them. Now arise and cross over the brook Zered yourselves. So we crossed over the brook Zered. Now the time that it took for us to come from Kadesh Barnea until we crossed over the brook Zered was thirty-eight years, until all the generation of the men of war perished from within the camp, as the Lord had sworn to them. Moreover, the hand of the Lord was against them, to destroy them from within the camp until they all perished. So it came about when all the men of war had finally perished from among the people, that the Lord spoke to us, saying, Today you shall cross over Ar, the border of Moab. When you come opposite the sons of Ammon, do not harass them, nor provoke them, for I will not give you any of the land of the sons of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the sons of Lot as a possession. It is also regarded as the land of the Rephaim, for Rephaim formerly lived in it, but the Ammonites call them Zazumim a people as great, numerous, and tall as the Anakim. But the Lord destroyed them before them, and they dispossessed them and settled in their place, just as he did for the sons of Esau, who live in Seir, when he destroyed the Horites from before them. They dispossessed them and settled in their place even to this day. And the Avim who lived in villages as far as Gaza, the Kaphturim, who came from Kaphtor, destroyed them and lived in their place. Arise, set out, and pass through the valley of Arnon. Look, I have given Sion, the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land into your hand. Begin to take possession and contend with him in battle. This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you upon the peoples everywhere under the heavens, who, when they hear the report of you, will tremble and be in anguish because of you. So I sent messengers from the wilderness to Kedemoth, to Sion, king of Heshbon, with words of peace, saying, Let me pass through your land. I will travel only on the highway. I will not turn aside to the right or to the left. You will sell me food for money so that I may eat, and give me water for money so that I may drink. Only, only let me pass through on foot, just as the sons of Esau, who live in Seir, and the Moabites, who live in Ar, did for me, until I cross over the Jordan into the land which the Lord our God is giving to us. But Sion, king of Heshbon, 
was not willing for us to pass through his land. For the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate in order to deliver him into your hand as he is today. The Lord said to me, See, I have begun to deliver Sion and his land over to you. Begin to occupy that you may possess his land. Then Sion, with all his people, came out to meet us in battle at Jahaz. The Lord your God delivered him over to us, and we defeated him with his sons and all his people. So we captured all his cities at that time and utterly destroyed the men, women, and children of every city. We left no survivor. We took only the animals as our booty and the spoil of the cities which we had captured. From Erewer, which is on the edge of the valley of Arnon, and from the city which is in the valley, even to Gilead, there was no city that was too high for us. The Lord our God delivered all over to us. Only you did not go near to the land of the sons of Ammon, all along the river Jabbok, and the cities of the hill country, and wherever the Lord our God had commanded us. Congratulations, you finished another book of the Bible. We are done with the book of Numbers. So briefly, what's going on here at the end of the book of Numbers is we see that the boundary of Israel is exactly lined out by God as to the borders of the land of Israel. So very specific geography here of where they're going to be living. And then he appoints particular men from each tribe who are going to divide the land appropriately, depending on how big each tribe is, which we've read through the census here, that each tribe is has a certain number of people. Some are bigger than others, some are smaller. And so these men will be the ones who will cast the lots for each section of Israel. Then we go to chapter 35 and we talk about the Levite cities. As we know, they do not have a land portion of the inheritance because they, again, are separate from their brothers in the service of God. As God said in a couple chapters ago, that he is their inheritance. He is their portion. And so... They don't have land of their own. But instead, each tribe is going to give them some land, in addition to some cities, which the cities are, some of them are just normal cities, but we do see that there are some that are refuge cities. And so God goes on that to show how the cities of refuge work, is that if you purposely intend to kill someone, doesn't matter how you do it, you are a murderer. However, if you accidentally kill someone, you know, for example, um, you just got angry out of nowhere and you threw something at them, or, you know, something accidental happened, then that person would not be guilty of death immediately. But it's a very interesting thing how, how God decided to do this, where there is a kinsman redeemer that is, I guess, like the leader of a family, so to speak. And that person will seek the manslayer and, the, and will be the avenger for the family. And if this man is able to get his hands on this person, then he has the right to kill him. But if, he able, if he's able to escape to this refuge city then he is safe, and as long as he remains in the walls of that city, then he will not be pursued, and he will not be murdered himself. So, it's a very interesting concept that we don't have in today's world, at least in the, where I am from. It seems odd to us how it's done in this way, but this is how God chose to do it. 
And then they explain the inheritance of women. If there are no men to carry on the family line, then they must stay within their own tribe to make sure that there is not a an imbalance of power as well. Because I could see men taking advantage of this, where they would marry off their daughters to other tribes and they would try to win inheritances in favor of another tribe, which would cause one tribe to get a lot smaller over time and then one to become much bigger. And that was something that should not happen. It should have been, there should be a balance of power, so to speak. So not only that, but um, because of that issue, it was ruled that these women would have to marry in their own tribe. Which, again, there were tens of thousands of people in each tribe, so it's not like, you know, you're marrying your cousin or anything like that. It's bigger than that. So that's, that's good. And that ends the book of Numbers. And then we go into Deuteronomy. So what does that word actually mean, Deuteronomy? It's a word we never hear anywhere else. Basically, it is the English title from the Greek Septuagint. The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And this section of scripture was called the second giving of the law. And this is Deuteronomy, Deut being like the second. So this is a second telling or a second giving of the law. And so you're going to see that to the end of Moses' life, he is going to remind the people of Israel of everything that God has done for them, everything that's happened up until this point historically, and remind them of God's laws. Why does it seem so repetitious? For one, he needs to make sure that these people learn, that these people obey and are reminded how important this is. And without that understanding, they won't take it seriously. But again, not only that, but remember, this is the next generation. This is not the original people who left Egypt. This is 40 years later, and all those people had already died. So these are the kids and the grandkids that grew up in the wilderness. They don't know a life outside of this. For most of these Israelites, they have no concept of what it's like to be without manna every morning. They have zero understanding of what it's like to not have a pillar of fire and a cloud during the day. They have no idea what life was like before the sacrificial system. So this is a Everything that they have grown up with is with God's presence involved. So it doesn't mention this as we get into the book of Joshua, but it stops. As soon as they cross into the land of promise, God's blessings in this way stop. And it doesn't mention that they freak out. It doesn't mention that, hey, that's different. This is what it's like without God. Hey, I've never known this is what the sky looks like. What do you mean there's no pillar of fire following us into the promised land? It's always been there. What do you mean that there's not going to be manna in the morning? It doesn't talk about any of that in the Bible. I found that very fascinating. But they still did it. But these people don't know anything. A lot of these were small children when they left. Some of them were teenagers, probably, because it said that anybody who was younger than 20 were going to die. So there were probably some teenagers there who were a little bit older and understood things, and they were likely the leaders of their families. But even then, you're in the desert for 40 years, in the wilderness, with God's provision every single day. You forget what things used to be like. They are completely dependent on God. And whether they realize it or not, they were. And they 
even though they rebelled and they argued and complained, they still depended on God for everything. And that's something that we have to remember as well, is while he doesn't do that exact stuff with us today, we are completely dependent on him every single moment of our lives. You cannot take a breath without his permission. Everything you have in your life, your money, your possessions, your family members, those are all gifts from God. The geography that you live in, the people that you know, the creature comforts you get to have, all those are gifts from God. You can say, oh, I earned them myself. Well, yes, but who gave you the health to do it? Who gave you the skill to do it? Who gave you the mental capacity to learn? Who gave you the work ethic? Who allows you to collect that check every week? It's God. All of it's God. Whether we realize it or not, God is completely sovereign over this world, over this universe. But he's also sovereign over you. There is no point in our lives, and this is a lie that we convince ourselves of sometimes, that we are autonomous beings, that we can self-exist, that we can self-sustain, and that is false. The Bible teaches very clearly that all life, all breath, all manner of goodness comes from God. We are not creators of anything ourselves in that way. We cannot will ourselves into existence. We cannot will ourselves to be alive. We cannot will ourselves down a destiny. We cannot. And if you don't like hearing that, I'm sorry, but that's the, that's the truth. And I'm not going to lie to you. But you'll find that if you understand who God is and his son, Jesus Christ, that you will prefer it this way because you'll realize that your fate and your life is held in the hands of someone who is much stronger than you, much wiser than you, much more powerful than you are, who never makes a single mistake and has existed from eternity past and will exist for all eternity future. That is comforting because I don't trust myself and I would not trust myself with my own destiny because I would make very terrible decisions for myself because I have no foresight and I have no understanding. I have no value in myself apart from God. I understand that, at least at some level. Perhaps I don't understand it at its fullness, but I see that much. And this is where it starts. And then with that knowledge and understanding his promises in the Bible, then the Lord will deepen that understanding for us if we ask him. And we, if we're obedient to him. So, just like the Israelites of this time, we are completely dependent on God. And he has shown us the way to live, just as God has shown them how to live. So then you see in Deuteronomy chapter 1 that he just kind of goes through a recap of everything that led up to this point. So we left Egypt, we went on this journey, he told us to go here. You know, if you remember that um, I was trying to do everything myself, but I was getting overwhelmed. So then um, I appointed people as governors and as leaders among your people to help me out. And then we spied out the land of the promised land and everyone came back with negative reports. And you guys complained and grumbled. So I cursed them that they're not going to enter the land. And then we wandered for 40 years and then he took... You see that he just starts recapping their historical um, events, especially the more significant ones. And then there's there's several passages about uh, how God honors His people, and 
I, I just love how he does this because, like, for example, he when they go to Seir or Edom, he's like, you are not going to take a single step of territory away from Edom because I gave that land to Esau. God's concept of time is very different from ours. He sees everything all at once. And so even though Esau is long passed away, and instead of Esau, he's got a whole civilization of people who now represent his legacy, God still considers them Esau in a lot of ways. And so you see that even though God did not choose Esau, to carry on his promised people. You see that he chose Jacob, right? But even though Esau was displeasing in God's sight, he still honored him, and he still gave him a possession. He was the son of Isaac, and Isaac was someone that he, that God valued so much and carried on his patriarchal line through Isaac. Even though it wasn't Esau himself that was the... Uh, receiver of that blessing, uh, by extension, God still blessed Esau. And so it's beautiful how he takes care of that. And he, that's not the only one. We also see that there were two men that were, at one point at least, righteous. We had Lot, who was not as righteous as Abraham, but he did believe in the Lord. And we have Abraham. And we know that Lot was not the chosen one because he had a lot of flaws, as we all do. But he was not the one that God sought out to be the father of many nations. So you see here that he gave land to the people of Lot. Even though the means by which this happened was terrible, right? You remember the story. Lot's Two daughters committed incest with him and produced this. And yet, even with that, God was still faithful to Lot and still blessed his legacy and gave him a land and a people. And I just love how God does that. He doesn't have to do that, but he did. And it's just it's so beautiful to see. Now, he mentions also in chapter 2 of Deuteronomy, he talks about two or three different civilizations of Rephaim. Now, Rephaim is referring to a race of giants. So, we are going to see giants for a while. There will be a point once we get to around the time of King David where we stop seeing giants. We used to see giants after Goliath, just to be clear. But it would start going down more and more. But at this point, there are giants everywhere. And it's hard to imagine, you know, considering if, if the people of Israel were about as big as we are today, how that must have been surrounded by these people. That's, it blows the mind how big and how strong these people were. So this is gonna you're gonna see that as we go through the, the book of Deuteronomy, that it's going to be much of a retelling of what we already know, but also he is going to expound on some of it, and you're gonna see some very memorable things from Deuteronomy that we will carry with us throughout the rest of the Bible. Not only that, but when Jesus walked the earth and was being tempted in the desert after wandering in the desert for 40 days. How does that sound? That sounds very familiar to this, right? He wandered the desert in the wilderness for 40 days without eating, and he was tempted at his weakest point. And what did he do? Every time Satan challenged him with one aspect of sin, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life, he quoted scripture. And what did he quote? From Deuteronomy. 
So the book of Deuteronomy is extremely important. We cannot just overlook this as just being Exodus part two. This is something completely different. While it will have some similarities, there are different things in here that we have to know and will be more not only the letter of the law, which Leviticus and Exodus was, but Moses is going to expand more on the spirit of the law that Paul was very passionate about in his writings in the New Testament, about the spirit of the law, that there is an understanding of that these rules are particular guidelines legally. However, behind all of that, what is the motivation of man? Why did God make this law in the first place? It was a spiritual issue. It's not a legal issue. And you see that in Jesus' day, especially with the Pharisees, they did not understand the spiritual aspect of these laws. They just saw the physical legalism behind it. And that was lost to the people of Israel. And Jesus had to remind them and show them that, hey, you know, it says in the Bible, it says in your law that you should not commit murder, right? But let me tell you this, if you hate your brother in your heart, you are committing murder in your heart. So what he's trying to say is, yes, you're not supposed to murder. You're absolutely right. But that's not the point. The point is you should have no hatred of man so that you would not want to kill another man. It's a spiritual issue. And so you're going to see some of it here, but you're also going to remember as we go into the New Testament much later in the year that they didn't remember all this. Let's hope that we do. And that's all I have for today. We will pick up the rest of Deuteronomy starting tomorrow. Until then, I'm Ryan. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Thank you and God bless you.